Welcome to the Dental Business Podcast with your host and owner of multiple businesses, a mentor, investor, and dental surgeon, Brad Thornton. Hi, guys. Welcome to the Dental Business Podcast. It's Brad Thornton. So we've got Shaz Mame on today from Digimax. This guy needs no introduction, so I'm just going to shut up and let you enjoy this episode. Yeah, for those of, uh, of the people that are listening that don't know who you are, um, do you want to give a bit of a history about you, um, what your business does, how you ended up working with dentists, etc.? Of course. Um, I'll, I'll try and trim it down, Brad. <laughs> but um, I was uh, my elder brothers, so they're about 10 years older than me. As I was growing up, they're, they're graphic designers. So by the time I was seven years old, I was immersed in the world of graphic design before computers even started. So there's something called letter set where you, if you want to make a flyer, for example, you get these transferable, almost, you know, like tattoos used to be for kids before, and you transfer the letters for ivory, for example, I-B-O-R-Y, one by one. So as I was growing up, I was seeing all of this. And by the time I got to um, the age of about 16 to 17, I had my first design client. And um, wow. by that time, my dad has bought, dad has bought us a, uh, it was an Amstrad computer. And um, we, there was a design application on there. And so, so the, the journey started with me always knowing that design is something that I always wanted to do. So I went to uni, I got a degree in e-commerce. And by the time I graduated, I had already started Digimax. So Digimax, I came up with the name in maths class, GCSE. And I put the word digital design, DG, maximum effect, max, uh, and just put it together. <laughs> and the D, D that we've got today, I mean, I know uh, this is a podcast, but that D that we've got today that we use everywhere, I drew that in maths class and we've still got it to today. So um, anyway, once uni was over, I, start, I went to Digimax full time. At that time, Digimax was actually a garage in the back of my parents' home in West London. And... Um, one thing I was passionate about, Brad, was designing and adding value for businesses that use me. And there were loads of small businesses, like, I don't know, from estate agents to people who were doing events and parties and all of that. I absolutely loved it. And it was very quick when you're good at something to get really busy because they would tell everyone they know. And then a few years down the line, three years on, four years on, I'm still sitting in that garage in isolation absolutely hating what I do because I've got so much work. I'm on my own, not really, I never really do anything for the money. It's never been about the money, but the work is too much. And I'm starting to dislike it because I'm letting people down because it's only one of me. Fast forward another year or two after I have a chat with my brother who's been through all of this, who had an office. Um, I said, what do I do? People do, I cannot go and hire someone because they're coming to me for me. If I hire someone, they're not going to like their designs. And he says, keep telling yourself that you can hire someone and train them to do most of what you do. They'll never be you. And I thought, okay, let me try that. So I put an advert in Gumtree and I found a designer who was willing to work in the back of my parents' house who was over, able to overlook all health and safety. For example, there was no washroom. There's nothing. <laughs> You'd never go inside my parents' house. Uh, the cooking smell is pungent in my parents' house. So that might have been one of the reasons he did it. And he, he stayed with me for a number of years until he realized he wanted a proper job, right? <laughs> so, um, 
so it was a lot of back and forth. When I broke through that ceiling of, right, I need to get out of this garage, get an office. I went through a few offices. Now we're in London. We've got 25 employees in total. But in between what happened, Brad, was I was always working with dental practices. And the first dental practice that we ever worked with, well, we, it was still me and maybe two other team members at the time, um, was a massive, massive learning experience for me. Anytime I would do, do any sort of design, Brad, people would put me on this pedestal and they'd say, oh, wow, you're amazing, you're great. I kind of got used to it. I just thought, yeah, you know, I had a lot of confidence in me. But then this particular dentist, my first dental client, um, he was going on holiday and he asked me to design a leaflet for dental implants. And he, he was just new in the area and he wanted to distribute 10,000 leaflets. And that was my second job for him. The first one was his logo, which he absolutely loved. And I thought I had some rapport with him. I knew what he likes, dislikes. So he said, look, this is the information. I'm going on holiday. When it's done, you know, just send it to print. You've got the information. How, you know, I don't need to see it. I said, are you sure? He said, yeah. So I made this leaflet, dental implants, brash from, I think it was 1195, using the color, the red color. And there was a tooth and someone in pain and, he dis- and their team distributed 10,000 of them. No, I think 5,000. They didn't distribute the whole lot. Anyway, he comes back a few weeks after his holiday, calls me up, and he, he started shouting at me. He said, I cannot believe what you've done. I've had so many complaints. This is- I was so shocked that I was, actually, I was actually in tears, but I was trying not to show. I was just like holding it in. And I said, look, I'll sort it out. I'll sort it out. He said, what can you sort out? The damage is done now. And then I, I let him calm down and I pleaded that he let me come into his practice and spend some time with him. And I said, I'll resolve this. And what I, what I realized in the two weeks where he let me see the patient journey to how he treats patients to, to, to the whole understanding of dental implants alone, for example, not one person ever came in to reception and said, I want dental implants. Not one person in his chair said, I want dental implants. They all said, oh, I wish I could be able to buy it again. Or I remember when I could eat, it was so nice. It's, it's just these dentures just keep slipping. So I started to understand about dentistry. And that's where we started doing work for dental clients side by side with non-dental clients. Yeah. Um, yeah, you touched on something um, that I didn't realize we'd speak about, actually. But I, I mean, I noticed this, how I think sometimes dental marketing, as dentists, we're a little bit obsessed about the technical bit about what we can do about that even our qualifications or that we've been around in the community for 60 years and it's this all these things that we think are important but actually our marketing or our, our sort of the conversation that we have with prospective patients should be geared around how we can solve whatever problem it is that they've got you know that that's what our role is that's who we are where we're the facilitator of their problem solving rather than you know we don't give someone a dental implant we give them the ability to chew to smile to feel confident um you know whatever it is and and so many times i see marketing like that targets me because i'm interested in dentistry and i look at it and i think oh what are you doing like what a waste (laughs) of marketing budget because they're just not not seeing that um so yeah i think that's um that's a massively important point to sort of realize what the customer, the patient actually wants from us. Absolutely. If we ask a thousand patients, do they understand the difference between a dentist that's been practicing for a few years to someone who's got all the qualifications and been on all the courses, 
the, the uninformed patient who doesn't really know much about dentistry and the, the, all, all the nuances really thinks they're the same. Most patients believe that any dentist can do any type of dentistry that you're seeing on Instagram and on marketing. They, they, most do actually believe that. It's only they'll, they, they might change their perception once they look into it. But, and that's why I created this book. Do not, I say to a lot of young dentists, do not uh, paralyze yourself in not posting cases thinking, oh my God, there's so much better out there. Your patients really think that you are just as good as most experienced dentists out there. So our marketing should be focused to everyone, really. Shouldn't just we shouldn't get too technical. Yeah. Um, so when you're looking at, because obviously you're, you know, you deal with individual dentists, associates deal with dental practices. Um, I'd, I'd like to talk about, you know, the um, sort of the website first, because um, whenever I see on social media or someone asks, or can, does anybody know somebody who can build me a website, or does anybody know anybody who they can recommend? guarantee that nine out of 10 recommendations are you, you know, people will say, hey, Bill, in fact, this, this was on one of the Facebook groups recently. Everybody's yeah. commenting on you saying we've just won website of the year or we've been nominated for website of the year. And it was Shaz, it was Shaz. So do you have a system, you know, when you're looking at doing somebody's website, um, I know that people always say, you know what, it's individual to you. It's, it's your brand, it's your voice, but do you have, like a system that you follow where you say, well, we know that if your website is follows this criteria, then we're going to get good response. People are going to enjoy, you know, whatever. So do you have something like that? Yes, uh, it's, it's a really good point. And I, we're quite lucky that a lot of clients do recommend us all the time. And I think I need to rewind a little bit, Brad, uh, Brad to, make, to make this all, make sense of all of this. So traditionally, in the earlier years, like many web designers, the, the process would be, Brad, you'd come to us and you'd say, I want the website. And we'd say, great, what's your favorite color? What, what do you like? Um, do you like this picture, Brad? We'll show you a design and you are literally leading the process. Designer might guide you. And when you say, mm, I th from my minimal knowledge, I am happy to say, yeah, I'm happy with this right this moment, right now and you would approve it, you'd get an invoice, our job is done. This is the process for 99.9% .9 of web designers out there. Reason it's like that, it's not that web designers don't care. It, it's, it's such an intensive job that's very hard for you to charge a fair, a fair fee, remain profitable, please the client. So this is the only formula that really works out there. And I kind of, I got really upset with this formula because ultimately what we're doing, Brad, is pleasing you at that moment in time. But we know, that there's so much more we can do, which is going to make your practice more successful. So looking at how much time is someone actually spending on that site, that is an art in itself, because to get someone to spend a lot more time on this site means that you're going to have to go through quite a lot of iterations. And obviously you're not writing us a blank check like large companies where it's hundreds of thousands of pounds. So where do you get that resource from? But it still bugged me that when someone's coming to me, um, a, a couple who are trying to build their future, or someone who's been working for so long and he's, he just wants to go from five days a week to three days a week, it's a lot of responsibility on our shoulders to deliver what, what it is that, or get close to what it is that they're looking for. So we take an extremely responsible approach. So in the last seven years, we've built what we call the Digimax Success Formula. And that is, instead of you saying to us, I want my website like this, we're saying, okay, tell us 
any preferences you might have and tell us why you have these preferences. Then we'll say to you, do you agree that your website is a tool for business? It's not a bit of art in your living room. It's not there to make you feel great when you log on to it or for you to get some sort of self-satisfaction. This is a tool for business. Do you agree? If you say yes, then we're off to a good start because then we can make this work for you. If you say no, there's a chance we might also say no in taking you on because we're designing for your preference and your preference alone. I can almost guarantee you, and it's happened in the past, and outside of this podcast, I can show you where it's happened, where we will deliver a website which is led by you and it will not convert. And you will come back and say, oh, you know, I'm spending so much money on it, website's not working. And then what you will do is, you might be in a conversation with another dentist and you'll say, I had a website with Digimax, it didn't work. Other person isn't going to say, why didn't it work? So we've built a success formula. And that success formula is about 120 things, or 122 things, which we're always adding to and removing to. One of the things are, for example, we, um, we put out a survey to 100 patients across the country, and we said, what are the th few things you look for when you're on a mobile device looking for a dentist? And uh, I think the score was, it was just unanimous. 99.4% of people said, I want to see the telephone number before clicking. I want to see the address before clicking. And very quickly, I want to see if this practice is looking to engage with me. So if I'm a young person looking for Invisalign, and that, pay, that practice, that initial view without scrolling just says, welcome to such and such dental, chances are, if it's going to make me work, I'm going to switch off. So that's something we put in our successful. If you look at any website of ours, you will always see the address and phone number without you having to do any work. Now, it might sound basic, but that could be the difference between one patient with a lifetime transaction value with all the recommendations of hundreds of thousands of pounds. It could be, might not be. So like that, we've got lots of little points. One of the other things are, like I said, most people do, do not actually know what dental implants are. Most people, more people do know what Invisalign is, but most people, if I just said to someone on the street, do you know what Invisalign is? There is a chance they might not know what that is. So we've made a treatment drop down where we say, um, tell us what your problem is. I would like to straighten my teeth. I would like to bite again. I would like brighter teeth. And we're leading them through based on what issue they have or what they would like to rectify rather than here's dental implants. So like that, we've got many little things that we do, which for us are the big things. And for us, success is all these people who are commenting, most of them have had a website before and they've realized that actually this tool now works. So we, yes, we do have a successful brand that we have, we're still honing. <laughs> Yeah, that's actually a really good point that I might look on uh, our website about. Because, yeah, when, you know, fair enough, some people may be quite informed and they go looking for something specifically. But actually, it might be that, yeah, when they're on your homepage and they're searching for a solution to their problem, they might not know what that is. So they all they know is, right, well, I'm, this denture's doing my head in. How the hell do I either make it not? loose or just get rid of it altogether um rather than dental implants yeah so that's um what, a, what an awesome piece of advice straight away <laughs> that oh, is uh, that's, such, yeah, that's yeah. such a good point um yeah because i'm actually amazed i mean i'm i'm going through a phase at the moment just to, to in terms of practice acquisition so i'm just having a look at other practices generally around 
Um, and I am absolutely gobsmacked at the number that don't have websites. Um, or I mean, fair enough, a lot of them are mixed or they've got NHS and the, N the website that you click on is the NHS sort of part of the NHS website that, that is yeah. theirs. Um, or you go onto their website and it's just a huge page of writing that's got no user friendliness or no mobile readiness. So it's just so clunky and awkward. Um, and it just seems so straightforward that people would, would be able to have an internet voice and face and presence that I'm surprised they don't do that. We're surprised too. It, it is a common thing where we even look at practices around, like even one of my team members, he wanted to go for a hygiene appointment near where he lives. And I said, let me do a search for you. It'd be interesting. So many don't have websites or so many don't have very good websites. And I think the reason is, Brad, is that a lot of people still think a very good website will, we're too busy as it is. We don't need a very good website. And I think the problem with that is that you don't know who, what type of patients you're losing. And, and the era has gone where, I suppose in the 80s, for example, if my dad was giving a recommendation to his friend, he wouldn't send a WhatsApp. They would be having a cup of tea. My dad would spend 15 minutes saying how great Brad is. Now we would say, oh, you need to go to Brad. Then what I will do is look up Brad, but I'm also seeing other dental practices. That recommendation isn't as strong as before. Now, a, a referral that was meant for you, you could lose it, Brad, if that website doesn't match up with what you're looking for. At that time, they're going to see other websites and you might lose referrals. So I, I did a webinar recently. It was quite successful. Your website is losing you money and you don't even know. And one of the slides was the, web, the great website lie. I think so many people spend so much time with a web designer to create this masterpiece of a website. And they've convinced themselves that I've got a very good website. Chances are they've probably got a good website, but a very good website is one where the bounce rates, how many people are leaving the site within a few seconds is very low. The amount of time spent on the site is very high. And the amount of inquiries, the conversions coming through is, is a reasonable amount. And every dentist I've ever met has said to me, once I've got the patient in front of me, then chance of them going ahead is very slim unless there's a real financial issue. So our websites at every stage are built to get people in inquiring. And that's our responsibility. This isn't a pitch to tell you how great our website. This is our responsibility. Every single team member knows it's so important to do this. Yeah. And um, now, Obviously, we've got websites and, you know, with the advent of social media and, and how powerful that is as a resource in general, we've kind of got other little platforms where we can have our own little, it's almost like a little social media website, isn't it? You know, your social media presence. Um, and I'm kind of wondering now, you know, do you feel that there's a shift from your traditional Google, I mean, there's always going to be a place for it, but you know, what do you feel is the, is the waiting that people should have social media to a, to a normal website? Do you think one's becoming more important than the other? Are you noticing more trends towards certain sort of things that is society shifting? Are we, are we moving to what social media more than traditional websites? It's an interesting question, Brad. When, when people started telling me about Instagram many, many years back, I used to roll my eyes. I just thought, you, you know, it's a, it's a platform to show off. It's for young people. It's for kids. Until I couldn't ignore it any further. And then what happened was uh, people started messaging me saying, I'm going to use XYZ company to manage my Instagram. I said, okay, great. Uh, and then I started to hear, 
I've cancelled with them, it didn't work, or I got ripped off, or you know, what people say when they lose a bit of money. And eventually it became, it got to a point where people are saying, can you do it for me? And I said, look, I don't feel comfortable because social media, the, the, the most powerful accounts are ones which are giving you a real insight into the business. They're the ones that get the most engagement. The practices which are just designing graphics, posting them out, that's broadcast media. No one engages with it, no one likes it, it doesn't really work. So if, then I started writing notes and emails and scraps of paper and it, it turned into a guide. Eventually I, I spent nine months writing a book so that dental practices, practice, patient uh, principals or even team members realized that 10 minutes a week following the strategies in my book, they can handle their own social media. Social media wasn't designed to be run by an expert. The millions and millions and or billions of users on social media, they're there because Instagram is quite easy. I just want to give people the confidence via this book on just how easy it is and what they need to post. So Instagram has become this one thing that we cannot ignore. I think they all have their place though, Brad. The bare minimum, every single dental practice must have a website. I mean, there's no, we're still not at that stage where websites are obsolete. Our clients are using websites to generate masses of sums. Instagram has certainly been a platform which has added to that. Facebook has been a platform which has added to that. So I think as businesses, we need to be all rounded. We need to be appearing wherever patients are looking. And patients are now looking, they still look at Google, they still look at Instagram, they're even looking at TikTok. Um, it's, we, we need to, the weight should be what's working for you depending on your demographic. Um, website at minimum should be highly weighted, definitely. Yeah. And, um, and speaking of that, um, in terms of demographics, do you sort of advise what kind of content to be publishing on different platforms? Do you think that the way, you know, the, the voice should be different? So should it, to post it on Instagram be different to post it on Facebook? Or do you just suggest just kind of keeping it quite generic amongst all of them? So we, we can assess that by people's attention span. Instagram is giving you a lot of information in a short space of time which means that you, your attention span is going to be extremely low. Well, as when you're on a website, you can't, you're not really getting messages from anywhere else. So time on the site, even though attention spans are generally low for people, it's going to be a little bit higher on a website. So when we're designing content for um, Instagram, for example, we need to make sure that the point is coming across within seconds, if not yeah. less than 10 to 15 seconds. Um, for Facebook, we've got a little bit longer on there, but still, I would say use the same formula as Instagram. Just get the point across. So for example, when people are making posts on Instagram, if I have to pinch to look at what that picture is showing me, or if I have to really like focus in on the text, that is a, that is a failed post for me. People are not going to engage in that. So you've got to make it as easy as possible for people to understand within a second what it is you're trying to say. And do you think that you should be posting daily? No, uh, I don't think you need, need to be posting daily. There are certainly lots of accounts which post daily. I would say at minimum, you need to be doing one story a week, okay? One Instagram story a week at minimum. This is just bare minimums I'm, I'm talking about. Um, and maybe two posts a month. This is the at least bare minimum where you're, you're being seen enough by people who are following you. Sure, you can rank, ramp this up, but posting daily, the problem with posting daily is that when you do have an important message to put out there, it's going to get buried. Yeah? Yeah. I do not post much on my social media because 
when I do post something that's important, I want to make sure that that message is heard loud and clear. So we need to find a balance. Yeah. Do you find that, I mean, is this true? I know no, nobody knows about the social media algorithms, really. I know it's kind of like some black art, but you know, do, do you find that, do they not sort of like people that post more regularly? So they would have an algorithm that said, you know what, this person's posting more regularly, so we're going to, you know, reward that person by showing more of their followers, their content. Yes. Um, on Instagram, certainly, if you're posting more content, um, the chance of getting more visibility is definitely higher. But the reason why I say this with caution, I'm not saying that, you know, post, the more you post, like Gary Vee says, post every day, post every minute. The reason I'm saying that is because that thought paralyzes people in not posting at all. Yes, yeah. it's a fact. More posting does help, but do not let that paralyze you not posting at all. Shaz, you, you, basically, you've just articulated my subconscious. <laughs> that, you, that is exactly the problem that I have. Because um, I've got that in my head. I'm thinking, well, if I'm going to do, because I didn't have Instagram until basically pretty much last year as, as Brad Thornton. Um, and I kind of set it up thinking, ah, oh, here we go. I've got to kind of do this. And posted daily for maybe a couple of weeks, slowed down, and then woof, stopped yeah. because I was like, you know what, I need to I need to be in the right frame of mind. If I'm going to be generating regular content, I need to be prepared and ready. And I'm, you know, and then before you know it, I've just got a reminder of a post from 12 months ago <laughs> that was it's basically it's basically yeah. a yeah. year ago. Um but that's why, because I feel that the pressure of, of my expectation of myself and that then has paralyzed me from doing anything. Um, so, yeah, so that's, um, I'm going to write that down. That's one tip that I'm going to actually make sure that I actually stick to. And I guess the reason why you might have stopped is you're just seeing that you could channel that energy and that time into other things in your practice which is going to show you a bit more reward a little bit sooner. It's just posting every day. It'll take quite a long time for you to get very well known um, or see the rewards or get patients coming in, the type of patients that you want. So we just need to balance it out. It's a bit like why we all go to the gym like four every day and we get hyped and then we stop. And everyone will tell you just less but consistent is, is better than that. <laughs> Um, so do you think then if, if people are listening and they're, they're in a similar situation as me and they're thinking, right, well, we need to look at trying to build a brand because nowadays, I mean, it, most people will, will recognize the fact that people are far more interested in people than brands, uh, than, you know, corporations. Um, so there needs to be an element of us of us developing that. If we in any way want our businesses to improve and to grow and to keep up to date, we just have to have an awareness of building some sort of brand. Now in 20, well, in 2021, so back end of this year, into next year, do you think it's it's possible to still build a brand? You know, are, are the audiences as easy to engage or do you think that, if you're looking at trying to, especially on Instagram, um, if you're trying to build an audience on Instagram, do you think that's harder than it was? Do you think it's possible? I don't think much has changed in 2021, except attention spans are a bit a bit lower. Look, for centuries, um, as human beings, 
we've been communicating with one another. That's not going to go. All these platforms are doing is allowing us to show people who we are and how we think. And that's why it's been so successful, because it's broken down the corporate barrier. Now, when the first lockdown happened, I urged the dental industry that stop posting special offers for smile makeovers and all that kind of stuff. Just stop and use this time to talk about yourself. Show yourself. If you're family people, maybe show a glimpse of that. They, patients want to see that they can connect with you and that you're a real human being with values and beliefs and, and all that kind of stuff. So I, I had quite a few dentists message me after saying to me, I've got so many patients waiting to see me and I didn't post one before and after. I didn't post anything about dentistry. And that proved to me that, yes, we can be successful without having all our feeds covered with teeth, just showing up, just being likable, just focus on whatever patients like about you now within the practice, just find a way to amplify that on your Instagram and don't put so much pressure on perfect photographs of before and afters. Yeah. Um, now, we talk about social media. Um, you're quite um, well known as well for uh, the party that you held um, where it, it got news coverage. And I say well known, I certainly know about it. And, yeah. and I think quite a few people spoke about it at the time. Yeah. Um, so it was like a, a really good piece of PR that you did. Um, now, do you think there's a place for that? You know, this idea that you get yourself into local newspapers and magazines and, and things and your name pops up in quite a few um media outlets like you've been on the news and you've been on uh, in magazines and newspapers is that an active thing that you do for your business and do you think that's something that you'd recommend for for us dentists as well yes uh, brad a lot of um, the work that i do is by design more now than ever because i've got charity worlds on wheels and i feel even though a lot of the things that I come up on um, outside of dentistry, like all the various mainstream publications, it's so that I can get my charity better known. But that's my goal. Had I not had the charity, maybe I wouldn't be doing so much of that. But I think as practices or any business, it, your goal shouldn't be, I want millions of customers unless you are a McDonald's. Yeah? We want patients or we want clients which are a good fit for us. Digimax wants clients which are a good fit. You want patients that understand what you do and value what you do. But the starting point should be that at least everyone in your target demographic should know who you are. So for example, the event that we did, even though it was to celebrate our clients and the hard work that they've put in, it, the impact was that a lot more people who didn't know of us got to know about us. And I think dental practices can learn about this. Obviously, mine was a little bit more risky with the risque name, but we're in marketing, so we could play around with all that sort of stuff. I would say a practice could do, could learn from that. You could hold a local event of some kind where you invite everyone down. There's so much we can do. Now, the thing is, you could pay, Brad, the local newspaper, £20,000 and say, make me popular. The thing is, people don't trust that type of advertising. Nothing beats real, you know, grassroots connections with people or getting known in the media, but it's got to be authentic. So there's one practice that comes to mind. And he said, anyone that looks anywhere in the area, this you will see my brand. Even if you go in the cinema, and obviously we can't now, before a film starts, you'll see their brand. Their focus has been, everyone should know who we are, whether they transact with us or not, that's not important. 
And we've seen the benefit of that. So many people call us and say, such and such recommended you. And we all look at each other when, like, when I hear my colleagues speak out that name, we're like, who is that? So lots of people recommend you that, that you don't actually even know. They can't use you, but they've heard of you and they'll recommend you. Yeah. Um, now, the, the sort of the party in question, you had a couple of influences there. Now, um, influences is, is, is like a hot topic, isn't it? I mean, there's a, there's a huge body of, of us guys as dentists that, that have some sort of, you know, resistance or like this weird sort of issue with influencers uh, and, and feel almost insulted that people could even begin to think that um, we'd offer them anything for our, you know, anything we can give them, you know, they need to pay for like any customer and we can't think of the benefit. And now I happen to disagree with that. And I do think that, you know, in terms of influencers, I can see, I mean, I know businesses that have built huge following off the back of influencers and are now doing amazingly well. Um, but yeah, do you want to touch on influencers? Cause you know, again, people are asking, right. Um, somebody's come to me, they've said that they will promote me to their following. What do I need to do? How do I know whether they're a good influencer? Should I do it? Um, I mean, what's your take on that? <laughs> that can... I mean, that, that's, that's one, I know it's, yeah. I, we could probably talk an hour about this, <laughs> but um, this what do you think? Trouble, so I'm going to try to be as politically correct here as possible. Okay, look, let, let's look at what an influencer actually is. Brad Pitt, if he came to your practice, that's serious influence. That's a real influence. He's got to follow. And chances are, Brad Pitt is probably going to pay you for your treatment. Okay. And that's any practice that I know that deals with A-listers. They say, these people come in, they don't make a fuss, they get their treatment, they pay for it, they pay what it's worth. And usually they want to remain discreet, but if they're so happy, they will go and tag us. Yeah. The conversation doesn't even come up. You do this, I'll do this. Now, in the age of micro-influencers or influencers off the back of you know shows like big brother and love island all that stuff that we love to hate um, <laughs> there is there is a market there are people who can skyrocket your following um, then the question is do you want that kind of following is engagement sanity our numbers vanity so there's lots and lots of variables there are some very good quality influence out there, out there. Very good quality would be someone who's got a high following, maybe even got a blue tick because they're verified, which shows that they are notable. Um, they've got a lot of engagement on their posts, but you've got to look at who is engaging with those posts. If it's a 21-year-old girl promoting makeup and your practice goal is that I want to be doing a lot more specialist treatments or advanced dentistry or more implants, then getting inquiries from that demographic is probably going to waste more of your practice's time, but your numbers go up. So we've got to remember our goal is not to get more followers. The goal is to get more of the right followers. So it's, it, like you said, it is, a, it is a separate topic that we could go on, but there's so many variables. So I don't want to do any uh, injustice to actual influencers who work very hard to help brands. But unfortunately, influencers have got themselves a bit of a bad name because sometimes they'll get treatment. They will not promote with the same vigor at which they initially said, so if we are going to engage an influencer, you need to make a contract, very simple, and stipulate, I'm going to give you X, you are going to give me Y, and this is when you're going to give me Y, and this is what I expect. And I would say, do not give free treatment, discount your treatment if you want to. Uh, and there's actually a few advertising guidelines where you have to explicitly make that clear to your audience as well. 
Yeah. Um, and really as well, if, if you're dealing with an influencer, then they should, if, if, if that's what they do, they should be quite professional about it, shouldn't they? And they should, you know, give you all the information you need so that you know, like the, all their analytics, you know, they should present to you the, um, things professionally. Um, that's a good point, Brad. Actually, I didn't, I skipped that completely. So we could look at their posts and say they're getting this many likes and that can be manufactured. They, could, they should give you screenshots of their analytics, um, telling you how many people are actually viewing their stories, uh, viewing their posts. Instagram allows you to do, see all of that. So they should at least give you that, definitely. Yeah. Um, and you've, you touched on something before about the book that you've, that you've written. <clears throat> now, I think I, I think I was poised over the buy button. So as soon as I knew it had released, I was like, poof. Um, but do you want to just sort of go over, go over the book? I mean, it's called Instagram for dentists, so it's pretty self-explanatory, but, um, do you want to give it a bit of a, a bit of a shout out, a bit of a plug? Of course. Thank you. So look, I, I wrote this book out of a bit of anger and I think most successful things sometimes <laughs> can happen off the back of some type of fuel behind you. And the anger was, uh, people are spending money where they don't need to. So I wrote this book over nine months and the goal is that this book can be picked up by any dental professional even if they don't have an Instagram account, or even if they're quite advanced in their Instagram strategy, there are things in this book which will show you exactly what you need to be doing, how you need to be thinking, and what you need to be posting, um, and all the things in between, like analytics. And even there's some tips from uh, people who, I won't say dental influencers, because um, I, I think uh, my view has changed on that term since I wrote the book. I'd say from people who are who have made Instagram work for them for whatever their needs are. So, so there's heaps and tips of heaps of tips on here, and all profits go to my charity Wells on Wheels, and it's available on Amazon. And um, and Wells on Wheels as well. So do you want to um, just go through, go go over what that is? I think, I mean, for the people listening, I think that's why you know, forget the fact that you know it's going to help with their own business. I think the fact that you're feeding this into a charity is is, is a really good thing. Um, and I think the charity is, um, I don't know, it's just, you know, when you, when you read about what it is, I think it's fantastic that you're doing that. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I think for many years, and like, like many of us in the West, we, we do not give to charity as much as we would like because of the barriers of, you know, how much are the bosses getting paid? Does the money actually reach there? We live in this bubble in the United Kingdom where it's very hard to actually see real sort of real pain of the people in other parts of the world. And for that reason, I never gave any money to charity. I mean, I might give some, some to a beggar on the street, and even then I'll be like, oh, I know it's not going to be used correctly. Um, and, you know, like, like I said to you, from day one, I guess money's never been something that fueled me to do anything. But over time, building a business that's been so successful, it just felt like I need to be doing more. So we do a lot for our clients. And I had the opportunity, everything just fell into place when I discovered the issues in a bit more detail in rural India and what I can do about it. So the water wheel allows a young family to stop all going as a family, usually the young girls, to carry water. So in rural India, where there's no pipes coming into the homes, um, the families, usually mother and daughter or daughters, uh, would go to a well, which is anywhere between one and three miles away in 40 degrees heat and carry these metal buckets on their heads, uh, usually two at a time, and this is equivalent to checked in luggage in an airport. So you can imagine how heavy that is, right? 
Um, so they've got all these musculoskeletal issues. And, and the, the, the saddest thing for me, because I've got a young daughter, she's four years old now. I just think when we go to buy a car seat, we'll spend 200 pounds without even blinking, right? Just for the comfort and safety of our children. Yet there's children, Helena's age, my daughter's age, older and younger, walking miles um, in the heat. And, and Brad, there's some horrible things happening on the way as well. So this wheel carries five times more water than a single pail, which means mother can go to the well, leave the children at home, and go once in a day instead of three, four times. The water is used for the same things me and you use water for, for you know, cooking, um, showering, and for them feeding the cattle. So as a result of this wheel, the children can stay at home, they're safe, young girls can enjoy their childhood, because you can imagine life is tough enough. As they get older, life is only gonna get tougher. So off the back of this wheel, we've got thousands of girls attending schools which are already in the village with a low occupancy. So, and, and that's really what the water wheel does. It's giving access to education to these young girls, which hopefully in the next 15 years, some of them will grow up and, and break out of this cycle of poverty. Yeah, that's wonderful. Um, so if, if people, because I mean, people that are listening to this, they're going to immediately Google you and find you on social media. Um, but is there any sort of resource where you want to direct them? So have your website or social media stuff? Yeah, I've got a personal website. It's shaz.co.uk. So whilst Digimax Dental is my agency and that's, that's the business, um, I would say go to my personal website because on my personal website, I talk about a lot more than websites. You know, a lot of my articles and webinars and things are about general things that will help practice owners or pe dental professionals, wherever they are in the journey. Even, you know, I've got nurses as audience, as an audience to just, just build a better understanding of the world of marketing. Yeah. Um, and actually, yeah, because you mentioned about uh, what your audience is, because this is something as well, you know, associate dentists, I mean, young dentists are far more aware of this, I think, but, you know, um, I was chatting to, uh, earlier today, I was chatting to Andy Acton from uh, Frank Taylor and Associates. Yeah. Um, and he was saying how over the last 20 years, practice, the practice purchasing market as fair enough, it's been influenced by these external factors like the recession. But what you find is that associates realize during a recession or like COVID when maybe the practice that they're working in starts to change their working conditions, maybe alters their percentage or maybe cuts days because the principal wants to try and cut some costs. They start to realize that maybe their position's slightly less secure than, than they realize. Then they start seeking to buy a practice. Um, so he notices that actually you tend to find more people looking to buy practice in times of hardship like we're going through at the moment. But what that kind of reflects is this whole idea that as associate dentists, we are our own little business. And, and I mean, I'm a principal, but I think associates need to realize that they're their own business. And you know, if, if you build a brand, if you if you focus on trying to create your own place on the internet, your own brand voice, then regardless of where you're working, you can kind of carry that with you. It becomes an asset that gen that builds over over yeah. the years. So, even though we've referenced practices and businesses, this is relevant to associates as well, isn't it? Of all ages. Oh, 100%. I'm glad you brought that point up. Uh, the book has been bought by a lot of associates. And just at Digimax, we get, we've had more inquiries from associates in the last sort of 18 months than from practice owners uh, in our history. And we see the shift. 
for the very reasons you just stated and Andy Atkins told us from the perspective of buying and selling a practice. So we need to look at the dynamics behind that. There's many practice principals that really don't like the idea of an associate going out, doing their own thing, building their own brand, because there's fear that, oh, this person's doing this because they, you know, they, they don't see this as a secure spot. I would say associates and practice owners need to have frank conversations about this. The benefit to a practice with an associate promoting themselves is they're getting not only the associate's skill in the practice, they're getting the benefit of seeing their patients in their practice. So there's a massive advantage to encouraging your associates in building their own brand. Now for an associate, it's a long-term asset. An associate doesn't, even before the Instagram or whatever, doesn't necessarily always stay in that same practice for life. Um, they will sometimes move on. They may buy their own practice. So that's going to happen anyway. All you can do is support them and make sure that they're getting what they want out of the relationship and so are you. So yes, then associate dentists should be building their own brand. Now, when you present a treatment plan to a patient, they may go home, think about it. They, they are going to Google you in most instances nowadays, right? And yeah. usually what's going to come up is the little bio you gave your practice principal when you joined, which is a paragraph, which is pasted on that site. And that's usually all they're going to find. Or they might find a TikTok video of you now. Uh, but what, what really they should find is what you want them to find. Okay, yeah. So your website will allow them, allow you to change the way they think about you. Okay, when they're sitting in front of you, they don't know what awards you entered for, if that's your thing, or how you see the world, or what your charity involvements are, or if you, you know, make uh, castles out of matchsticks, that might be a conversion point. <laughs> so you should be able to control that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's a really, really good place to to finish off, Shaz. You've gone through everything so well. And I think, um, you know, people are going to find you because you are. I mean not necessarily from from you specifically but from other people you you're talking about you recommending you uh linking to your sort of website you're all over the place and it's for a very very good reason um so i'm really happy that we finally got this this conversation um <laughs> out there thank you Brad. Um, thank you appreciate and, uh, that. yeah I, I really appreciate your time shaz and um actually before we go give me because my my instagram following is my personal brand is 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 pretty is pretty slim and my posting is pretty crap okay. give me a few really important points about something that's going to enable me to build a bit of a following and actually establish myself as a personal brand and i'm going to stick to your recommendations religiously what would you fine. suggest give me a few things fine so i've just quickly looked you up on instagram and you're, you've got at this moment you've got 92 followers and you're following four people yeah so when i have you heard of my power of nine concept uh, no i haven't actually okay so the power of nine really important concept it's in the book as well and it came out in an article in forbes um i'll share it with you but i'll just explain it to you very quickly the first nine squares at least seven out of those nine squares should immediately tell me what what brad is about okay um, so your nine squares, I can see very, you've got a beautiful picture of um, you and is it your, uh, your little one there? Um, yeah. That tells me you're a parent. Okay, that's one of seven things. But there is very little here which shows maybe your patience or your practice or the way you see things. So it's important that without doing any work, I can in that first instance get captivated where then I want to scroll further. 
So designing your Instagram account is priority number one. Priority number two would be making sure that when someone looks at your bio, so if patients are your audience, that they look at that and feel quite connected with you. So now looking at this, I don't know where your practice actually is. So if I found you on Instagram, that's, I need to know. So you need to be specific what, where you're located roughly in the, in the United Kingdom and what type of treatments your practice offers. Okay. That's, I know you're more than just a dentist because your podcast, a mentor, but that could go on one line separately. And number three would be using my follow back trick, which is in my book as well. I'll explain it to you briefly. Once you've got your Instagram page looking like something you'd want to follow, and let's just say um, your account very clearly at the top is where you're located. One of the things you can do, Brad, is go to the businesses in your local area on Instagram, for example, the local cinemas, local restaurants, look at their followers, click on their followers, and every follower that doesn't have um, a private account, like three of their pictures, they will instantly get a notification on their phone. So they'll, there's a dopamine release reaction which happens. It's, a, it's proven that when someone clicks a like button and you look at it straight away, you feel a set where you feel this dopamine release and that's what's boosted social media. They're going to look at, first thing, who has liked my account. Now, if they recognize the local area, they're more likely to look at you in a bit more detail for that split second longer. Then if they like your account, they will follow you back. So if our goal is to get as many people in the local area following us, then you're getting more people who are right for you in some respect because they're geographically correct, looking at your stories, which allows you to get your voice out. So this trick has worked for us in a mass scale for a very big main high street brand. Um, and it works for lots and lots of dental practices that have bought this book. You tell me I've got 1,000 followers now, and they're not vanity followers. They actually look at my posts, engage, and share it on with people. Right, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna do that. So I'm yeah. gonna uh, I'm actually gonna give you some feedback when I'm uh, I'm gonna start implementing that okay. immediately. <laughs> um, brilliant, Chaz. All right, well, uh, yeah. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Really appreciate the chat. Thank you, and, Brad. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm sure we'll be in touch soon, mate. And I'll speak soon. Speak soon. Thank you. Take care. Take care, Chaz. Bye bye. Bye bye.